0: I speak to you in the name of one God, creator, redeemer, and sustainer. Amen. Walking along the strand here in Hermosa, or even just driving around Los Angeles, I sometimes notice those flags outside of people's homes that read, House Divided. And on those flags are the emblems of the sports teams that divide that house, those homes where one member of the household is a die-hard USC fan and the other member is a UCLA fanatic. Or maybe there's a member of the household who's a Lakers fan and another family member roots for the Clippers. I've even thought about buying one to hang out here outside the church office, given that Reverend Rachel has a tendency to hire San Francisco Giants fans, including this guy. Can't you just picture it? Church divided. Dodgers on one hand, Giants on the other. (laughs) Tell you like that one. A couple of weeks ago in our Wednesday Bible study, we learned that there are a number of colloquial phrases that have their origin in the Bible. The writing on the wall, for example, comes from the book of Daniel. By the skin of my teeth is from the book of Job. A drop in the bucket comes from Isaiah. A house divided comes from our gospel lesson this morning. And that word, house, plays an important role in this morning's story. At the beginning of this passage, Jesus and his disciples are on their way to a house to eat a meal when they are bombarded by a large crowd, eager to see Jesus and to be healed by Jesus. And in response to this crowd, Jesus' family tries to restrain him and take him home to their house, because they think that he is out of his mind. And at the very heart of this passage, Jesus uses parables to talk about the demonic divided house over which he demonstrates power throughout Mark's gospel. This divided demonic house stands in contrast to the community, the house which Jesus is building and which serves as a model for the church. Now, we hear some strange parables this morning. Satan casting out Satan and all this business about tying up a strong man and plundering his house. In this passage, it's not only Jesus' family who think he's gone crazy, but also the scribes, the religious authorities who think that Jesus is beside himself. They even go as far as to say that Jesus is possessed by a demon, Beelzebub jesus's strange parables put to bed the logic for the scribe's accusation if it's true that by demons jesus casts out demons then satan is done for a kingdom divided cannot stand a house divided cannot stand satan divided cannot stand and as for tying up the strong man In the first chapter of Mark's Gospel, John the Baptist refers to Jesus as, guess what, the stronger one. In this lesson, Jesus is the stronger one who has the power to tie up the strong man, i.e. Satan, and plunder his house. So, Jesus' parables debunk the scribe's logic for accusing him of having lost his marbles, but they also speak to an aspect of Jesus' mission, binding the powers of evil, those forces that hold us and our world captive so that God's good creation can be set free. Probably the most challenging aspect, the most challenging part of this story is that as Jesus' family and the scribes the folks committed to maintaining domestic and religious life, the people that we probably associate with most, that are the ones with whom Jesus appears to be most frustrated. He has strong words for the scribes who mistake the work of the Holy Spirit for Satan. They are guilty of an eternal sin. Now we shouldn't forget that this story was originally told to an early church, an early church that was persecuted by the religious authorities and the government. This may help explain why this story, in this story, Jesus's words to the scribes are less than complimentary. For the scribes, Jesus doesn't fit the mold of their expectations of a righteous person. He associates with all the wrong people. He breaks Sabbath law. He forgives sins. And he brings healing to everyone. The sick, the demented, Gentiles, women, tax collectors, sexual outcasts. It's an odd feature of Jesus' ministry that the people who are supposed to be closest to him, the law-abiding scribes and his own family, are the people who fail to recognize who Jesus is and the work that he is doing. For them, Jesus' commitment to and love for God's humanity in all its shapes and sizes is enough to make them think that Jesus has lost his mind. This lesson leaves us with an important theme to pay attention to. Those who are most near to Jesus throughout Mark's gospel are those who are in need of healing. They are the ones who in their own moral and physical and spiritual imperfections seek to be restored by Jesus and are drawn to him. And as this lesson makes clear, it's those who think they know what religious and family life are supposed to look like that are the ones that find themselves on the outside looking in. Jesus works to liberate humanity from the forces that consume and occupy our lives and the world around us. Those forces that prevent us from more fully living into God's goodness. Perhaps if we are aware of our own need for healing and the need of healing for the people around us, we might find ourselves in the company of Jesus. We might find ourselves in God's house, a house with a diverse mess of humanity and all its beauty and imperfection is welcomed and loved. Amen. Amen.